Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our text this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, the second chapter. Uh, We'll be reading beginning at verse 8 is the shepherds and the angels. As we come to this passage, let us first share a word of prayer. Gracious God, it is your word that is life for us. So we come expectant, we come in need, we come listening, O God. So we pray that you would speak to us. By the working of your spirit, let us hear your truth and your grace. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Listen to this. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So the carol that we will sing at the conclusion of this service is Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let heaven and nature sing. The inspiration for this world-encompassing joy comes from this text that we read just now. It was the promise of the angel that there is good news of great joy for all the people. So what is the nature of this joy that this angel promises? What would it look like for the world to know joy, for this joy to be real? 
We've been talking about joy this season, and I said at the beginning of this series, I I wanted us to reflect on joy because, you know, I I think all of us could, could benefit with a little more joy in our lives. But I also said, as people of faith, joy can be a fairly constant companion, not a given, but a friend of the faithful. So what is the nature of this joy that the angels promise to you and to me? So, so far we've said two things. We've said that our joy is rooted in the confidence that the love of God searches us out, seeks us out, that God wants to be where we are. That's what love is like. It wants to be where we are. And our joy comes from our confidence in that. Now, to have confidence that the God who fashioned the universe wants to be with us, searches for us, that's not a given that we're confident in that all the time. I mean, you know me. I am the we believe, help our unbelief guy. I have sympathy for anyone who struggles to trust all the time. But this season of Christmas testifies to just this, that God desires to dwell with us, to come to your house, as we said. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let heaven and nature sing. We also said this, that that love that seeks us out does not just rest with us, but but flows through us into the connections and relations we have in this world with our neighbors and with others. It shapes our encounters with others. And we said both of these realities, the fact that God's love calls us by name and also that that love lives between us and others, both of these provide reason for joy in our lives. But it's not a given. I imagine the angels had to tell us of this joy because joy isn't always easily, doesn't come easily in a world like ours. Actually, joy requires no small amount of courage, I think. Given the way the world is, even just the realities of the past few weeks of violence, of devastating storms, of rising COVID numbers, It may seem that the only way to be joyful is to try to sequester ourselves away from all that is bad. Don't you sometimes wish we could just escape? Just escape. Farrell Sams, he writes a short story of a nameless protagonist, actually, who is a narcissist and goes through his life using and abusing everyone he encounters. And on those rare occasions when someone calls him on it, you did this, he responds, well, if you don't say it out loud, it never really happened. He gets sick, but true to himself, he pretends he's not. He tells himself, if you don't say it out loud, it's not real. The story ends with his dying breath saying, I never said it out loud. How did it happen? 
Denial is a powerful anesthesia. It allows all of us at times to avoid the reality of our lives. And that has a powerful attraction. Sometimes we just want to escape. But I think, I think the angels were not promising a joy that is based in denial. I think they promised a joy that is real and lives in real life in the real world. And maybe they knew that that takes a bit of courage. Joy is not an act of denial, but it is in some ways an act of defiance. See if this makes sense to you. Becoming to think of joy as, on the one hand, a gift, a grace, a holy gift born of the love of God, and it comes from knowing that the love of God calls us by name. Joy, joy blooms from trusting in that. That, that we are loved. But at the same time, while joy is a gift, it is also a discipline. It is something that we pursue. It is something we practice. Uh, by practice, what I mean is we choose to live each moment trusting that we are loved, believing that God's love calls us by name. When times are wonderful, we remember that we are loved by God. When times are hard, we remember that we are loved by God. And what happens is when we choose to trust that, that love shapes the choices that we make, and that's joyful. So my, my dad told me once of a time in his own life when he moved from sorrow to joy. It was during my seminary days, and I was, I was home, and he and I were talking about faith, and he told me about a time when he moved from sorrow to joy. He said, he said the day's mail arrived on a particular day, and a fall day, and in the mail was an invoice for medical expenses, and the invoice exceeded his annual salary. It was 1964. He was pastor of a small church in Mississippi. The civil rights movement was everywhere, and he said his modest support for that movement meant that he was at odds with some of the leaders in the church, and the writing was on the wall. His resignation was not far off, he said. Just a few months before this, my parents welcomed into the world my sister, their only daughter, beloved daughter. My special needs brother, Gene, was receiving inpatient care because at 18 months of age, he had yet learned how to swallow. I was, I was about three and a half and was skilled at rendering any room in which I was a federally declared disaster area. My mother, she had crumbled under the weight of postpartum depression and was hospitalized. So there was my dad taking care of three small children, one of which a terrorist. His wife was in critical shape, and he had an unpayable invoice that was sort of the straw. It was the straw. 
He said he looked at that and he walked out in the carport and he crumbled. He just wept. He went outside because he didn't want the kids to see. He didn't want us to see him weep. But he said what he did next is what changed things. He prayed. It was not a pretty prayer book kind of prayer. He yelled at God. He let God know that God had really been underperforming as of late and needed to come through a little bit better and that, that Dad was pretty angry. He vented his fear and his pain. But he said, then I made the decision, and I don't know why I made this decision, but this is the decision that changed me. I decided in that moment of stress and crisis and fear and pain and pending financial ruin that I would tithe. It doesn't make any sense, except for this. He said, I had to trust again that the love of God finds me even in the storm. I had to trust again that the love of God is reliable even when life is falling apart. And so I had to live like I trusted in that love. And one way I could practice it was generosity. It's just one way. My mother got better. My brother learned to swallow. Eventually the unpayable bill was paid. Most miraculous of all, I eventually learned not to destroy every room I was in. My dad did have to resign, but there was another congregation called him to serve. Let me be clear. This, this is not one of those prosperity gospel fairy tales that you find on religious broadcast. It's not a claim that generosity is an investment program, that, that God will reward you financially or health-wise or any other way. I do not believe that. My point is much more basic than that. When we trust in God, it shapes our choices. We have to choose in some way how we live that faith. We live it in prayer, in worship, in generosity, in how we treat others. Those spiritual practice can become the garden in which joy grows. When we live like we trust God loves us, joy comes. You know, my dad was, he was a charismatic guy. People were drawn to him like waves to the shore. He, he loved to be the center of attention and would tell a story like nobody else. And he would tell the same ones over and over and over again. It has to come from somewhere, you understand. He was more than a little self-absorbed. How could he not be? But he was a joyful man. When you trust that the love of God claims you, joy comes. It's the most important lesson I learned from my dad. Joy is both at the same time a gift of God and a spiritual discipline. It is grace in our lives and something that requires grit and courage. Swiss theologian Karl Barth says, joy is not an act of denial, but it is an act of defiance. He calls it a defiant nevertheless. When the storms come, nevertheless, I am loved by God. When illness comes, nevertheless, I am loved by God. When trouble comes, nevertheless, good Christian friends rejoice with heart and soul and voice, for the love of God has come. This defiant nevertheless is courage. 
And I've seen it. You have too. I saw it in Carla. I've told you about Carla before. Not in a long time, I don't think, but Carla worshiped in the first church that I served. Those people tried to teach me how to be a pastor. She was a, she was a grandmother, and when worship was over, she would go back to the narthex, and people, people would sometimes come shake the preacher's hand, but usually they just went to Carla because Carla was, was, was joyful. She would lift your spirit. She was a ray of sunshine. I always admired her, but when I learned her story, I was amazed by her. Carla was married to Ryan, and they had some boys, three, I think, if I remember right. And Ryan was a sailor, not professionally, but it was the passion of his heart. And by the time the boys were in middle school, they knew their way around a sailboat. Their son, Philip, he graduated from college. This was years before I knew them. He graduated from college, and he and some buddies, they got the boat, and they headed out to sea. It was some kind of accident, storm. They never made it back. I was young and so, so stupid. I asked Carla, I said, Carla, you are... You are so happy. How did you ever get over that heartbreak? She looked at me with that look like you poor little man. She patted my hand and she said, Tom, moms don't get over that. But let me tell you what I learned when I was in the valley of the shadow. I learned that everybody faces the sadness. Everybody knows heartbreak. Everybody knows the dark night of the soul. Every day the sadness is waiting, Tom. I, I, I don't know if it will come to me with my coffee in the morning paper. I don't know if it will speak to me in the grocery store or penetrate my dreams. I don't know if it will whisper to me in worship. But every day I pray, God, don't let the sadness win. Let me push back the sadness not only in my life, but in the life of those around me. Help me push back the sadness. She said, Tom, I'm, I'm not a smart woman, but I know how to laugh, and I know how to bring it out of others. And you may think it's silly, but I, I think it's a kind of ministry. She was right. She was one of the most courageous women I know. The next Sunday after we had that conversation, I walked into the narthex and there she was and people were gathered around her, heads thrown back in laughter. They were patting each other on the shoulder. It was joyful. Now I know it was just narthex and conversation in a little Carolina Presbyterian church, but it seemed to me that the angels showed up and said, see, I told you. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The message of this season is pretty simple. God has come because God loves you. Here's, here's the thing. God doesn't just love. God loves you, and that's different. Love is not an abstract thing. We don't love in general. We love in the particular. 
We don't love humanity. We love people with names and faces and stories. And we love with that kind of specificity because the God who created us loves just that way. So God does not just love. God loves you. It's different. Trust in that. For when we act like we believe that's the truth, it's called joy. It's a gift and a discipline. And it's the promise of the angel. I bring you good news of great joy for every one of you. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.